Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowen, Pastor Adam Osier begin their discussion on the small called articles. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right, welcome back, guys. We are... Starting something new today. Yeah, starting something new that we didn't expect to be starting. We had big plans for after the Augsburg Confession. We had big plans, and not a single one of them came to fruition. (laughs) So we're going to start the Small Called Articles today. Uh, Yeah, that's, yeah, okay. I guess we'll just jump in, I guess, with that. Um, I feel like we need to have like some sort of accent, say Small Called. Are you German? No, I'm not. I'm not. No. Are you? I got just I, a little I pinch. am German, but uh, is it small called or is it small called? It, I mean, we're I, in America and we're going to go small called. Well, if we were in Germany, what would it be? I have no idea. I've never been to Germany. I know like Budapest, we call it. It's Budapest. Budapest. Yes. yes. Yeah. That, I feel like there's some way like that that we need to say small called. I think I think Brett should say small called. Small called. Just because... <laughs> We don't even know if it's right. I, I think you need to, if you do it, though, you have to do it with an over-the-top Bavarian oh, accent. <laughs> see, I, I can't pull that off. But That was a cross uh, between, like, some really large gym teacher lady yeah. and Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was Arnold it was Schwarzenegger beautiful. meets uh, Hans and Franz. Yeah, yeah Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> the Small Called Articles. <laughs> the Small Called Articles. Um, yeah, so today's episode, we're going to uh, jump in with a little bit of preface, introductory material about the small called articles and uh, get into it. And, and I think, you know, to start, you know, just start off the conversation here, um, you know, just talking about this before we started recording, we recognize that we're going to be covering some similar territory at, that we have uh, throughout uh, the rest of or the previous episodes. And listener, I think that's okay. Uh, it's yep. okay to uh, cover the same ground. Um, and, and I think there's a a catechetical benefit to that. And so, um, Jason, can you just kick us off thinking of that thought? Um, why is it a good thing to repeat? What, when is it maybe not good to repeat? Well, so rote repetition, just as rote repetition, uh, after a while, people just stop listening, right? And so we don't want that. But baked into the nature of the catechism itself, and mm-hmm. then kind of by proxy of the whole Book of Concord, is this idea that we are building our faith on a regular foundation of a set of doctrine, right? And so Luther, in the preface to the small catechism, says, you know, all these doctors of theology out there read the catechism once, think they have it mastered, and want to go on to more interesting things. And the guy who wrote the catechism says, I have to return to it daily, and I'm still not a master of the content. And so that's the principle we're working on. It's not going to be, you know, our articles on the Trinity aren't going to be the same as the articles on the Apostles' Creed from the Catechism series or the articles on the Trinity from the Augsburg Confession. We're going to stay close to the content that Luther wrote, just to vary it a little bit, but there's going to be review and there's going to be repeated themes, and that's mm-hmm. good for our faith. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. <clears throat> I'm, I'm just starting uh, in, in a new semester at the college, and we're teaching Romans. I'm teaching Romans again, which I love to teach. And one of the lines that stood out to me as we're prepping students for 
why was Romans written? Paul says, I write to you boldly by way of reminder. And, and the idea is that all of these doctrines of justification aren't something new. It's like we look to that as the foundation, which we do, the Word of God, and, and we, we look to that as the foundation for our understanding of justification. But Paul's saying, this isn't new. I'm not making things up. And he says, the Word of God is, is not new. This gospel is not new news. The good news isn't new news. And his point is, we need to be thinking about this regularly, again and again. One of the things I remember from teaching... Um, well, going to college to, to be a teacher was my professor who always said, repetition is the key to pedagogy. And when he said repetition is the key to pedagogy, I remember that line from Dr. Melander. I remember it clearly, uh, him saying it over, why? because he was modeling it. Okay. And so as I teach, it's okay for, for us to be repetitive. It's okay for us to, to be, um, and there's so much theology that actually goes into that, uh, theology and anthropology. How, how are we created by God? And it's one to be responsive in the same ways again and again. We see that with, um, you know, even in our liturgies, why do we do, you know, liturgies? Why do we follow liturgies? Whether you're high liturgy, you know, high, high liturgical or low, whatever, whatever, uh, term you want to apply to that. Repetition is good, and I think we should we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Yeah, yeah. Repetition is good. I, I think a quote from Luther here is pretty appropriate, where he he was asked, he's, "Why do I always preach the gospel? Because my people are always forgetting it." <laughs> and, you know, where gospel amnesia. I think I've yeah. Heard well, the that, gospel that amnesia. Phrase, yeah. You know, for me, like you know, people kind of laugh at me when I talk about vocation incessantly, and I, yeah. I talk about vocation regularly. But once every couple of years, I go back and I reread God at Work. Because what I find is that I settle into ruts of emphasis and rereading something that you've mastered, that you have a pretty good grip. It's like, oh, I've been uh, underemphasizing, yeah. not no, drifting mm-hmm. or underemphasizing another pretty fantastic truth mm-hmm. when it comes to any doctrine. And so it'll be good for us. Again, it's the same content. It's the same scripture. But now you've got Luther as the source of the teaching rather than Melanchthon. So we're going to see some pretty uh, <laughs> key differences. I think so, yeah. I think this is my favorite part of the whole thing. Like, I've been looking forward to this because yeah. Melanchthon, I mean, let's be honest. He's very he's very academic. He's very conciliatory. He wants to, you know, he's, he's, he's bold. He's accurate. But he's very... <laughs> I don't know. He's a, he's a Brett Bow. This the, is like yeah. if, timid. <laughs> this is like if you gave uh, you know Luther some sort of social media, yeah. like some sort of social <laughs> oh, media no, platform. That's what table talk is. And, and, yeah. <laughs> well, true. <laughs> yes, but you just go. He he just goes and he says things very very plainly. And as a guy who likes to say things plainly, yeah. I appreciate that. There, there's two ways I described this for my class when I taught it. Yeah. Because there's some people in the class probably going through a little bit of burnout wanting something different. Uh, the first one, the, the promos I put together for it as the summer was ramping up, we were getting ready to start a new school year, is the poster said, doctrine for people who hate doctrine. <laughs> Luther has a way of making things interesting. Yeah. Right? Uh, mostly because he's insulting the people who yeah, don't believe what he does. Mostly because he's a belligerent jerk at times. Yeah. Uh, the other way to think about it, and, and I, I flip-flop on who I used to describe this, but but this is because I like being unfair to people and Melanchthon can't disagree with me. Melanchthon uh, is what you would get if you let Piglet write <laughs> the theology. And, and Luther is what you get if Tigger Wrote the theology. Same content. Yeah. <laughs> different emphasis altogether. Uh, <laughs> Luther, well, like maybe Tigger and Owl together, actually, because well, well, you got the, uh, the, the erudite with the 
hyperactivity. It's like, I'm just going to blast you right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, but it's, what, what's really funny is you say that. Yeah. And then right after Small called, you know, it's more or less the treatise on the power and primacy of Pope was appended to the end of Small called in the Book of Concord. You read through that and like, Melanchthon, wow, you're not pulling any punches right here. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, you it's know, kind I, of unfair. It, it's similar to, you know, getting into a brand new, we're recording this in the new year in 2023 and, you know, just doing Bible reading plans and you read the same chapters, you know, year after year and... You know, with the passage of time, too, uh, things hit you a little differently, and I think that's probably true for anything you can read. But um, So, yeah, we're going to return to uh, these teachings and, and be blessed in a different way uh, through this series. So, so yeah, let's launch into this a little bit. Um, uh, you know, this document here written in 1537, um, about eight years before Luther's death, um, what's happening here with the uh, historical context of, of the small college articles? So the, the, in caveat here, most of the historical information has been taken from uh, the reader's edition of the Book of Concord from the historical uh, Material put in yeah, the margins, yep. uh, mostly by Paul McCain and other authors, the sainted Paul McCain, I should say. Um, so it's it's not my own. It's just been reorganized for teaching purposes. Yeah. And I, I am by no means a church historian. But the, the key figure as far as understanding what's going on with the small called articles is Elector John Frederick the Magnanimous. It's a yes, great name. Yes, I love that. Uh, we don't do that enough. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame. Uh, you know? Yeah. Adam Osier the Boisterous, or... Sweet. That's nice. I like that. Or or Brett the Kind-Hearted. That's what I would name... uh, Brett Bo the Mildly Reserved. (laughs) (laughs) Mildly Reserved. Yeah. So, so John, the the Magnanimous. (laughs) Magnanimous. Nice. That's a great name. Uh, He kind of opens with this quote, We cannot yield without becoming guilty of treason against God, even though property and life, peace or war are at stake. And so John Frederick, the Magnanimous, was the held of the uh, the head of the small Caldic League. Mm -hmm. That's another great name. Yeah, it's it's a league of princes and lay people that formed to resist Charles V and the Holy Roman Emperor when these theological disputes started forming. And so in the order of important leagues in history... You have Major League Baseball, <laughs> and you have the National Hockey League, and then you have the Small Caldic League, and then you have the National Football League, and then it's the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and then it's the NBA, because they're not a league, they're an association. The League oh. of Their Own, too. League of Their Don't Own. Don't forget that. That's probably yeah. between three and four. Sure. Yeah, the League of Their Own is very important. <laughs> That's right. Ranking uh, important leagues. Uh, yeah. Major League, pretty good. Major League Two, not as good. 10,000 <laughs> leagues under the sea. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All of that yeah. is in this, but the Small Catholic League is, you know, Germany's not a united country the way we conceive of Germany right now. It's it's kind of this patchwork of yeah, it's a amorphous uh, collection of states, city states, yeah. duchies, you know, territories, and so we we ran through electors. Uh, one or two articles ago when we explained Albert of Mines and how he bought two electoral votes, which led to the rise of um, uh, 
what are the things you buy your forgiveness for? Uh, indulgences. Oh, indulgences. Indulgences. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> How do you forget that, Jason? Yeah, I'm right. so Lutheran, I don't even know about indulgences. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've erased it. I've erased You've it. gone through this electroshock therapy like, to get like it out of Carey your mind. Jim style from yeah. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That memory's been burned out of my brain. Uh, <laughs> you can remember that, but not yeah. indulgences. Yeah, right. How? How do you I worked do that? at a video store for two years while I was in college, and I have all of the awkward, random movie references down. Anyway. Nice. So... There's you only cl- went to seminary for three years to learn about indulgences. Yeah, exactly. That's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so there's been this general call in Europe for a general conference or a general council to get the Roman Catholics and the Lutherans and now the radical reformers who, who seize on what Luther did and took it as permission to do whatever you want to in the church. And so there's a general council and the Pope, uh, Luther first calls for a council in 1520. Mm-hmm. That's before the burning of the bull. That's before the Diet of Worms. That's before anything. And everyone's just been sitting on their hands. Charles V wanted a council, or so we, we hear from history. Uh, the popes just kept pumping the brakes on this, pumping the brakes. And, and if you study history, at least from a Lutheran perspective, mm-hmm. at this point in time, you really get a sense that the Roman Catholic Church was all about power. They had no interest in debating theology because they more or less felt like they were going to lose. Right. But Sound was, doctrine wasn't the point. Yeah. It, it was all about power for the Roman Catholic Church because they just keep pumping the brakes to keep pumping the brakes. You don't even really get a general council. You get the Council of Trent, you know, which is more or less uh, the Roman confutation much more articulately stated. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a call uh, for a pope that happens in 1536 and it's supposed to be held in Mantua, Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shakespeare's written about Mantua, um, but uh, this is fun to go through all these yeah. uh, names and places. And yep. So then later in 1536, a couple months later, uh, the purpose of the council declared by Pope Paul III uh, is for the utter extirpation of the poisonous, pestilential Lutheran history. <laughs> now I'm, you know, yes, I, I I didn't exactly write how to win friends and influence people. I, I I'm not I'm not magnanimous, you might say, <laughs> but. I, I've I never noticed. If, yeah, if, you, right. if you want to be a known as a uniter of men, perhaps calling one of the parties you're trying to bring together poisonous and pestilential might not be the way to go. How is that different than modern politics right now? Well, it's not different than modern politics, but it's also you're not engendering goodwill. Yeah. You know, it's 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 kind of it's the same tactics the Pharisees used as they approached Jesus and and say, Are we not right that you are out of your mind and demon possessed? <laughs> yeah, right. Same yeah. exact spirit. <laughs> it's like deplorables and nasty women all together. Oh yeah. And it's, yeah. it's all all of that stuff. The name calling starts yeah. uh, the, the This is where you're gonna shine, right? Adam? Luther the, yeah, yeah. I, yes. I think that's the best part of this, you know, just the the names you can call people uh, that you never knew you could call people before. So let's take a quick detour, because when all this propaganda was ramping ramping up, uh, someone drew a caricature of Luther uh, with like seven heads. Hmm. And there's this caricature, and someone shows it to Luther, and, and the report is that Luther grunt... And said, would have looked better with necks. <laughs> so, that kind of thing. These people didn't really get hurt feelings. You know, they, yeah. they, they weren't looking for safe spaces and no one was calling them a snowflake. You hear, again, side note, but it's interesting how this, this does go about because everybody kind of apologizes for Luther here. Uh, they say, well, that's just how people talked back then. Yeah. And the reality is, is Melanchthon didn't. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, no, they didn't all talk like that. I mean, Luther was a boisterous individual yeah. who but, had an opinion and was very strong-willed and said what he thought. And sometimes you could chalk that up as being offensive. Well, I mean, Luther talked like that. The Pope talked like that. Eck talked like that. Henry VIII talked like that. So it's not like Luther's the only one. But yeah, Melanchthon was, you know, quiet and reasonable. Erasmus was pretty reserved when in, in diplomatic. Uh, Thomas Cranmer was pretty diplomatic when it comes down to it. So there's a little bit of both. Anyway, so the Roman Catholics are gaining momentum for a general council. And the Lutherans are thus far resisting because John Frederick the Magnanimous yep. is highly convinced it's just going to be a trap. You know, John Frederick in this game is playing the role of Prince Humperdinck. <laughs> I, I think everything's a trap, which is why I'm still alive. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of a thing. And so the, the, all of the princes finally prevail upon John Frederick to attend a conference. And what... Uh, John Frederick does, where all this becomes relevant for us and what we're talking about for the next couple of years, yeah. uh, is that <laughs> John, no, go ahead. <laughs> John Frederick is of the opinion that the Augsburg Confession isn't good enough, hmm. that it's not direct enough, mm -hmm. that it's not, uh, I don't know if you call it polemic or, or what, but he wants something that is straightforward. He wants something that's Lutheran, not Melanchthon. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. after he agrees to attend a uh, the council in December, December 11th, 1536, he commissions Luther to prepare a statement of faith in the form of confessional articles. Mm -hmm. the, the small yeah. called is Luther's Augsburg Confession. Right. It, it really is. Okay? And, and I was just trying to remember uh, which year was, was the Augsburg Confession? Did that... 1530. 1530. Uh, yep. yep. So this is, yeah, a few years. Six years, years, years later. It's, yep. it's been circulated. It's been popularized. Yep. I mean, I, I think that's just good to fix that in yeah. our minds here. Yeah. Uh, so then a week later, exactly a week later, the 18th, Luther becomes seriously ill. He probably suffers a heart attack hmm. and he thinks he's, uh, he's, Fixing to die. Done. Yeah, he's, he's preparing himself to death. So Luther treats the small called articles as the only chance to address a general council. This becomes Luther's statement of faith. Okay. The, the theology of the small called articles is very serious reflection and accurate depiction of Luther's migration from mm -hmm. Roman Catholic to early Lutheran. So this is probably his final form. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, this is final boss Luther when, when it comes to, comes to, this isn't the mini boss at the beginning of the game. This is, this is it right here. That's, that's great. I just beat Super Mario, by the way, with uh, my son. Like the very first uh, one? Over, over, over Christmas. Super Mario? Yeah. Nice. Uh, the Wii. Super oh, okay. Mario Wii. And yeah, the real boss, Bowser, comes out at the end. Huge. Never knew. Never expected. Never yeah. beat that game as a kid. Finally fulfilled. Yeah. But you, this is it. This is the real Luther. Yeah. And he's breathing fire. Yeah. Luther is Bowser in final form. Uh, <laughs> and so then uh, 10 days. So Luther is ill. And then in the 10 days where he's seriously ill on his deathbed, mm -hmm. or so he thinks, he writes the small called articles. And the first draft of the small called articles was given to the theologians in Wittenberg, uh, who recommended minor changes, which Luther accepted. And then the small called articles were signed and sent to John Frederick. Hmm. So this is... Uh, 17 days after John Frederick committed, this is moving light speed yeah, very fast. for non-digital yep. communication, right? So we're still in 1536. Uh, uh, in February, February 7th, 1537, the theologians and lay leaders of the Small Caldic League meet in Small Cald Germany to review the article, okay? So 
Now we want to pause, do some Paul Harvey rest of the story investigation. The Small Caldic League is formed in 1531. It's a defense against anyone who would try to eliminate Lutheranism by force. We kind of more or less mentioned that. Um, public agreement or subscription to the Augsburg Confession was necessary for membership. Again, hmm. Hmm. Uh, John Frederick thought they were fine. The Augsburg Confession was fine as far as a defining theology, but he wanted something much more direct and forceful mm -hmm. for a general council. You're going to do battle with the Pope at this council, right? Uh, Henry VIII wanted membership in the small uh, in the small called league, but only for political reasons. <laughs> now, what's interesting about this, and I know we're well into the episode yeah, and we got to wrap yeah. it up, but I just got done reading Don Matzett's uh, biography of Queen Catherine Parr, who was Henry's final wife. Mm -hmm. And there's ample evidence that uh, Queen Catherine converted to Lutheranism while she was on the throne. And hmm, so part of the book is debating, and there's plenty of evidence to debate that by the time of his death, King Henry accepted justification by faith. This hmm. is really <laughs> fascinating. So you, so you remember behind all of this now, yep. behind all of this, King Henry had written against Luther in his early uh, doctrine and been declared by the Pope as a defender of the faith. But then uh, Queen, the first Queen Catherine, Catherine of Aragon, couldn't give him a son. And so he had to invent an entire church body so that he could get divorced. And so he becomes the head of England. And now it's not so important that he's lockstep with all English doctrine. And so all of this is going on. Henry wants, thinks Charles is getting too powerful, wants to get a political alliance with the Small Called League, but Small Called wouldn't let him in. Uh, Luther has no respect for Henry. Luther feels betrayed by King Henry um, because someone had appealed to Henry. Again, pause. Henry loved Melanchthon. And Henry couldn't stand Luther. Henry and Melanchthon were friends, but Henry couldn't stand Luther. Really interesting <laughs> stuff. All these politics going on. This is why this is the last interesting period of history to me. I just I'm fascinated yeah. by all the political intrigue. Um, so the small called articles on February 8th were presented to the league. Uh, John Frederick was absolutely positive they would be accepted by everyone. Uh, some thought it was too strong, though. They didn't immediately accept it. So what you have is a fascination is in small cult articles, as they're presented in the Book of Concord, Luther assumes they have been adopted, but at the time, they hadn't yet been adopted. Hmm. So that's in the content of the small cult articles. Uh, they want to just represent the Augsburg Confession. Uh, Melanchthon uh, first delayed presentation because he was uh, Luther's illness. Uh, but, you know, he was not wanting to step on Luther's toes. 44 of the delegates of the Small Called League end up accepting and signing the Small Called Articles. Five delegates from southern Germany, which were influenced by Zwingli and the, the Calvinist Reformation, uh, do not sign but object to the doctrine of the Lord's Supper. Uh, so in 1538, Luther publishes the Small Called Articles as his last will and testament. Of course, we mm. know he goes on mm. to live for yep. five, six more years. Right. Um, in 1580, they're adopted as the official, uh, as official confessional document of the Lutheran Church and put in the Book of Concord. So uh, the General Council never happens. And so this just gets added as a clarifying confessional document. And mm -hmm. um, well, it is my opinion, not all confessional Lutherans agree in this. This is just me. Now, it is my opinion that uh, small called and the formula of Concord both make for 
excellent commentaries on the Augsburg Confession. Hmm. And I think mm-hmm. both of them need to be viewed as not separate independent documents, but as flowing out of the Augsburg Confession. It just sure. makes a ton more sense in my brain yeah. as a systematician. Right. And maybe we should say this here too, that not all Lutheran bodies all or even individual congregations uh, subscribe necessarily to, yeah. uh, you know, thinking of some of our, you know, free Lutheran uh Background just just yeah, the Augsburg Confession and uh, Luther's Small Catechism. Yeah, uh, we we can clarify that now. Yeah. In, in in historic ethnic Lutheranism, the Scandinavian territories did not accept to the whole Book of Concord, but really only the Small Catechism and the um, Augsburg Confession, the unaltered Augsburg Confession. The reason for that part of it, uh, part of them saw this as a Germanic fight. Mm-hmm. That this is just German theology. The other part, though, is King Christian II or Christian II was probably becoming a Calvinist at the time. So that by the time the whole Book of Concord is put together, when it's delivered into Scandinavia, they're burned. Hmm. They're rejected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a couple different political things going on. And then so I, I know we're over time, but let's yes. let's yep. look at the preface really quick. Yeah. There's a couple key important points in the preface. Uh, Luther goes out of his way to to point that the purpose of small call is that the Pope absolutely refused to be reformed even a little bit. And this is just a great place for us to sink our flag in the ground and to highlight for everyone, but especially Protestants in our modern day, that Luther never once thought he was starting a new church. He always considered the Roman Catholic Church of his time as being out of bounds. So it just changes the way you look at Lutheran doctrine if you understand that Luther's understanding that he was, was being he was being faithful to Scripture and faithful to the historic church, and that it was the Roman Catholic Church of the late Middle Ages and Renaissance that went off base. So Luther more or less states that in the small called articles, which is really really important. The other thing that Luther addresses that we've kind of talked about is that this is his last will and testament, and he feels the need to do this because people are circulating rumors around his theology, mm-hmm. that he's changed his mind on this or changed his mind on that. And there's, uh, imagine there's a lot of misinformation swirling around. We have no idea what that's like uh, yeah. in the modern age. <laughs> yeah, um, Un- Unheard of. So that's the whole point. I think, yeah. I think to close, I mean, yeah. as we, one of the phrases he uses in his own preface is, oh, dear Lord Jesus Christ, hold a council of your own yeah. and redeem your people through your glorious return. The Pope and his people are lost. They don't want you. Help us who are poor and miserable, who sigh to you and earnestly seek you according to the grace you have given us through your Holy Spirit, who with you and the Father lives and reigns forever praised. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's just really a great reminder for us that in the Lutheran church, doctrine isn't for the communication of information or scholasticism. Doctrine is for eternity. And so Luther conceived of a general council of the church looking like Judgment Day, where those who stood on the truth, which would be the redemption in Jesus Christ, would be ushered into eternity uh, with God for life, and those who rejected the church would be ushered into eternal death. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. You are invited to the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary on March 13th and 14th as we hear from best-selling author Nancy Piercy. Professor Piercy will share insights from her books on gender and sexuality, demonstrating how a biblical worldview is a solution to the challenges facing society and the church today. 
Register for the live stream or reserve a seat at flbc.edu slash events. God bless you and have a great week.